0: Welcome to the Real Facts on Real Estate podcast, presented by Sean Patrick Moloney. In this series, we educate real estate agents on how to find success in the industry and grow their wealth to six-figure commissions and beyond. Now here is your host, Sean Moloney. Welcome to episode 209, Writing a Contract to Purchase. I'm your host, Sean Patrick Maloney. Thanks for joining me this week. This week, I want to talk to you about writing a contract to purchase. This is one of the most exciting times as a real estate agent. You finally have a client. They're interested in a property. And now's the time to write the contract to purchase. You may be saying to yourself, what is a contract to purchase? Well, contract to purchase is what we call an offer. In the state of Massachusetts, the contract to purchase is drafted up by the National Association of Realtors. That's what all us realtors use as the instrument in order to purchase a home writing a contract to purchase is a time that can be very exciting as a real estate agent but also stressful especially if you're new and you're just trying to figure out how to write a contract to purchase and what really matters sales price is always what buyers and sellers alike pay attention to but the truth is that's not the only element of a contract to purchase that matters so let's back it up a minute here and talk our way down a contract to purchase So first off we're going to have the two parties that are involved now that's your buyers and sellers alike on the seller side you want to make sure you have everybody listed as a seller you need to have every single signature from every single seller in order to make sure a contract is going to be valid when does this come really into play a lot of times when we have trusts when we have something that's gone through a will when we have inheritors that are working to sell the property or sometimes we have co-owners that may not be listed for some reason or other on public record that we need to track down. It's very important though, when getting a contract to purchase signed that every single owner signs that contract to purchase. Now on the buyer's side, it's all right if someone doesn't make it to the contract, but not a bad idea to add everyone at the beginning. Reason I say it's all right is contracts to purchase can be assigned. So ultimately speaking, we can end up assigning that to someone else, meaning giving the contract to purchase to somebody else, but also we can add on buyers. On the seller side, we have to have permission from everyone that owns it to sell it, whereas on the buyer side, it's okay if people add on or drop off the buyer's contract, as long as our paperwork is made out that way, I should say. But typically speaking, if we're working on the National Association of Realtor contract to purchase, that is going to have the correct words and verbiage in there to allow for that to happen. Next off, we do have the purchase price. The purchase price is important, right? It's it's the ultimate price we're giving the person, but we need to take other things in effect. Like say, if we were going to use seller's concession, that would highly matter. If we're worried about appraisal and the value of the home, that also would really matter because purchase price doesn't mean that you're going to get that much, especially if there's an appraisal contingency and you're wary of the value. So You might need the person to waive the appraisal contingency in order to know that the purchase price is going to maintain the same, because otherwise the appraisal contingency says that if the property doesn't appraise at or above purchase price, they're able to renegotiate or walk away. That might not be the best terms for you. After that, we have our deposits. A lot of people don't really understand what EMD or earnest money deposits are. The deposit is money at risk, it's not the down payment, it's money at risk to hold the place under contract for the time being. So usually we do one with the contract to purchase and we do our second deposit with our purchase and sale agreement. These two deposits secure the property for the buyer and also for the seller. And it says at the bottom of the Mass Association Realtors form that the earnest money deposit is the sole remedy for the seller to come after the buyer when it comes to damages for the contract breaking apart. So that's why sellers are so particular about how much EMD they would like to see there, because it's their only remedy to make themselves whole after the deal does fall apart. After that, we start talking about some timelines and dates. We talk about the idea of when is the offer good till, always good to give them enough time to understand and go over the offer but also we don't want to give them too much time to be able to shop our offer sometimes when writing them we have to follow offer deadlines and offer guidelines because it's a multiple offer situation other times we can break those rules and try to push a little harder by making maybe a shorter offer duration or maybe extending it out because we know the sellers is going to take a little time to answer back we then have the choice of home inspection For a home inspection, we can either have a home inspection, not have a home inspection, but when writing the contract to purchase, understanding that the home inspection protects our buyers, yes, but it also is a contingency, which means it does make our offer a slight bit weaker. We're not going to advise people not to use home inspections, but we can certainly tell them the advantages and disadvantages and explain the different types of home inspections that there are the ability to do it based on satisfactory results, the ability to do it based on a certain price, or the ability to even waive it all the way. So we have that home inspection. Based on home inspection, that's really gonna tell us a lot about our purchase and sale agreement dates. For purchase and sale agreement, we actually can go straight into a purchase and sale agreement. We don't even actually have to have a contract to purchase in order to do so. But most commonly, we end up in a contract to purchase, waiting for the inspection contingency to go through, and then we get into the purchase and sale agreement. So a lot of times it's somewhere around 10 to 12 days out, but it's really going to depend on the scenario. But that purchase and sale agreement is when that second earnest money deposit is due, and it is when the seller feels a lot more secure in a deal because it closes one more window that the buyer has to get out. After all this, we have a closing date, which obviously matters a lot to a seller. Is it short closing date that they want or do they want to be able to stay so their kids could finish at school? Understanding the closing date they want means you can make a better offer to the seller and maybe not have to offer such a high amount of money and just better terms to ultimately get along with them. So the closing date is very important to understand as well when writing it, that the mortgage professional can actually come up with the mortgage in that amount of time. Which brings me to the mortgage contingency. You're not obligated to have a mortgage contingency, but often most people have a mortgage, so therefore they'll have a mortgage contingency. Which in there, there's gonna be two very important dates. One is an application deadline. That's when they're going to formalize the application. Now you have a pre-approval, but after the purchase and sale agreement is signed, now it's time for the bank to order things like the appraisal and other things. That's when we're gonna sign that purchase and sale agreement, which means then we have the ability to go into the next level of the loan application because that's actually gonna initiate the loan and there's gonna be some money expenses such as appraisal, things like that. So now we've got the loan application in. The next date we have on there is the commitment letter date. The commitment letter date says that the bank is committing funds to that buyer and that they're willing to fund the deal. So the commitment letter date is eh, somewhere typically around seven to 14 days before the closing date but that said it's a question really for the mortgage professional to make sure that you could follow what they need to do in the timelines that they have but ultimately speaking the earlier the commitment date the seller feels better about it because it says that we're going to move forward even quicker now that we've done all that we have the mortgage amount which is the amount finance which is what if they're putting say 20 percent down then that mortgage contingency would be contingent upon them receiving funding for 80% of the deal. After that, we have some other things like additional terms. Additional terms is where you'd put in all your appliances that are included, put in things that you didn't want included, all the exclusions, and any information that you really wanted to make sure made it onto that contract to purchase. Now, I went over a contract to purchase in about eight minutes. This takes some more time than that most of the time. If you're looking for a broker who's going to sit there and really explain to you not only just how to do it, but the theories, the whys, and the whens of writing a contract to purchase and getting it accepted, reach out to us over here at Movementum. We're always hiring new and existing real estate agents to take their career to the next level and to offer them the support that they need to grow their business. Thank you so much for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe. Also tell all your friends and family about this podcast, anyone you know in real estate. That way there, they can have a better understanding on how to buy, sell, and own real estate. Thank you so much for listening today and have a great afternoon.